controls your mind? That's the question of the day here on Abounding Grace. The Bible described us as being enemies of God. But then when we were saved, we we're no longer enemies of God. We have life and peace in Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. But see, when you're in the carnality and you're into the things of this world and that's what you live for, your hobbies, your careers, your money, your future, what's going to happen when I'm 80? What's going to happen when I'm 90? And God's always saying, what's happening today, son? Daughter, what about what's before you right now? I tell you, if you're controlled by the flesh, it's death. But by the Spirit of God, there is life and peace. And so what am I thinking about? This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Would you be described as carnally minded or spiritually minded? Now, before you answer that, you'll want to listen in to today's study in Romans on abounding grace. You might be surprised to discover what being carnally minded looks like. Along the way, Pastor Ed Taylor will encourage us to embrace God's purpose for our lives, to bring God pleasure. It's a rich and fulfilling life, and it can be yours. Let's see how to get on that path in part two of Pastor Ed's message, What Controls Your Mind? Back in California, when we were newly married, we moved into this small little apartment. We lived in an apartment building on a block of apartment buildings. There were apartment buildings all over the place. Most of our block was all apartment buildings, except for a church. And next to our apartment building, there was a parking lot that the church used. But most of the time, it was empty. And so that's where we parked our extra cars. We had one little place in the carport, and we had an extra car, so we'd park it right there in the parking lot next to us. And other people from the other apartment buildings would park their cars there, too. And there was this guy across the street. He owned a yellow truck. And it wasn't just one of those little Toyota trucks. It was a huge monster truck. I mean, monster. I can't describe it any other way than it was about that high, way up here. And every day that he wasn't at work, you know where he was? With his yellow truck. He was polishing it. He was cleaning it. He was taking the parts out and laying them out on the parking lot. He used four spaces to park his precious little truck in that parking lot. He even had a t-shirt made. You know what was on it? His yellow truck. He loved that truck. I could say that he set his mind on that truck. So I'm a new believer. We had, I'd just gotten saved. I didn't have this big yellow monster truck. You know what I had? This little silver Hyundai. <laughs> little five-speed carburetor Hyundai, zero to 50 in three days, man. <laughs> and I didn't wash it, and I didn't polish it. In my mind, that thing got me from point A to B, and that's all I cared about. And so I was a new believer. I'd gotten rid of all these music, and I found some music I liked that would just, I was encouraging the Lord. I would do my devotions in the car because it would take forever for the thing to warm up. So I'd turn it on, put a tape in the tape deck, collect that thing on, worship the Lord, do my devotions in the car, cry out to the Lord. It was a great morning. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was so cool. I was ready to go to work. I knew I had a heavy day ahead of me, and I just wanted to worship the Lord. And so in the midst of all that, the car's warmed up. It's time for me to go. I 
pop that five speed into reverse, probably grind the crutch on my doing it, go into reverse, pull back, and I hear a crunch. And I'm like, oh, man. And when I turned around, because I didn't look back, when I turned around, guess what I hit? The yellow truck. I just didn't touch the yellow truck. I got the front and the door and the back of that yellow truck. My little Hyundai had a little dent in the back, but his truck was jacked up all the way. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. And he, well, let's just say he loved his truck. And I was so bummed out. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I was, I was just worshiping God. And, and I, I mean, I was just like so apologetic. And he was so mad. I can't believe it. But I'll never forget that morning I learned what it was like for someone to set their mind on something earthly. That truck was more important than me to him. It was more important than my little Hyundai. It was more important than him getting to work on time. Only thing on his mind is how's this truck going to get fixed? All that was on his mind was, how could you do that to my truck? You see, when we were created, we were created to commune with God. Did you know that? When man and when you and I were created, when man was created, we were created in the image of God. God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so you and I, created in the image of God, we are created in a sense a trinity as well, a far less trinity of the body, the soul, and the spirit. If you're jotting notes down, you can jot down 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, where Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit is that deepest part of you and I that lives eternally. The soul reflects our mind and our emotions, our feelings, and this body is the shell that we live in temporarily that gives place for us to animate ourselves and articulate ourselves and interact with others. In the garden, remember, Adam and Eve enjoyed a time that was lived by and ruled by their spirit. Their spirit connected with God and prior to the fall, they had sweet communion. But and Adam partook of that fruit. Remember, Adam, his sin was passed on. And in Adam's sin... Well, the whole human race died, but it first began with Adam dying. The moment that he ate, he died spiritually, immediately. That was what God said. He said, in the day that you eat, surely dying you shall die. And spiritually he died. And no longer led by his spirit, now he is controlled. Well, he can either be controlled by the soul, or he can be controlled by his body, or spiritually... We could look at it and say, are you controlled by your, the Spirit of God dwelling in you or your flesh? Your flesh. And that's what Paul says here. If you're carnally minded, it's death. But spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Verse 7, back in Romans 8. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Remember, before you and I were saved, the Bible described us as being enemies of God. But then when we were saved, we're no longer enemies of God. We have life and peace in Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. But see, when you're in the carnality and you're into the things of this world and that's what you live for, your hobbies, your careers, your money, your future, what's going to happen when I'm 80? What's going to happen when I'm 90? And God's always saying, what's happening today, son? 
Daughter, what about what's before you right now? I tell you, if you're controlled by the flesh, it's death. But by the Spirit of God, there is life and peace. And so what am I thinking about? Am I thinking about my body? Where I will go? How I'll be entertained? Wow, I'm hungry. I wonder what I'll wear. I wonder how much more I want. Is my body controlling my thoughts? Is my flesh dominating my thinking? If so, I'm carnally minded. No wonder I'm not connected with God. No wonder I don't have sweet devotions anymore. No wonder I find myself frustrated all the time. No wonder these outbursts of wrath have come. No wonder I'm short with the kids. No wonder I have these lustful tendencies. No wonder God's word doesn't, isn't really valuable anymore. No wonder I can't worship. No wonder I don't find anything in the Bible studies anymore. No wonder, because carnally minded is death. And the enemy's always trying to draw us away from things that are spiritual. Always wanting to get our minds off of the fact that we are spiritual men and women living by the power of God's spirit. So why not put in 60 hours a week at work? Why not? They ask me to do it. They make me do it. 80 hours a week. 90 hours a week. Oh, I'm not talking to those of you that find yourself really working double time right now to make ends meet. I'm talking about those that you've been bit by the career bug. And that's really where all your time is spent. Oh, there was a time in your life when you had sweet devotions. There was a time in your life when you were walking in the Lord. And the Spirit of God was overwhelming. You were so excited. You were so zealous. It was all that you could do just to be in church. It was all that you could do just to be around believers. All you could do to be in the Word of God. You had a couple translations just to keep it fresh. But now, oh, work has just killed you. And you actually like it. I know of which I speak. There was a time in my life, in my corporate career, where I chose my career over the Lord. I, very, I did it very consciously. And I had all the reasons. I had good reasons. So this is what, this is going to help my family. And this is a good path for us. And as soon as I get down this path, and I can jump back into ministry. Because after all, ministry will always be there. And the Lord had to intervene in my life. He had to intervene in my life so that after the choice was made to go on with my career, it was just a few thousand dollars, too. It wasn't that much money. It was a new title, a couple thousand dollar raise. It wasn't that much. But it was a lot to me at the time. I really had my heart to take care of my family. I was working full-time, serving in the church full-time, and there came a point where I just couldn't do any more if I wanted to move up in my career. I just couldn't do what was happening at the church. And I chose my career. And God intervened and chose the ministry for me. <laughs> he made it happen. Where I was so excited about this new job, I, just all, I was all polished for the interview, the interview went really, really well, and then somebody else got the job. I said, eh, you're not going to go that way. That's not for you. And I continued to work there. I continued with my position. God actually used that place to bring me here to Colorado. So it was great. I continued to work there, continued to use my skills there. Uh, it was fun to be a messenger of the gospel there in my workplace. But see, it was a heart issue. If I wouldn't tell you this, you would have never known. It was I knew about it. It was in my heart. My heart was captured by the things of this world. And the enemy wrote a check for a couple thousand dollars and said, Ed, is this enough? In my heart, I said, yes. And God, he beamed from heaven and he said, no, that's not for you, Ed. You're going to be just fine with what you have. See, some of you, you're caught up. It might not be career. It might be your hobby. It might be the latest fad. I remember watching a show not too long ago. This girl, this girl, they were trying to help her get out of debt. And this girl, she had like $400,000 worth of clothes in her closet that she never wore. It had all the tags on it. She was shopping all the time, buying all this stuff. She never wore any of it. 
$400,000. Can you imagine? And the way she's getting bailed out by friends and family and stuff, and this guy comes in and says, just sticks it to her. Some of you as Christians, you need to have it stuck to you because there's far more to lose than just money. It's your Christian witness. It's your zeal. It's your desire to follow after him. It's you being used wherever you are to excel in your career, yes, to do well and to go with the promotions absolutely as the Lord leads. But I'll tell you, when the world starts saying, you can't serve God if you do this, you've got to say no. And I'm not talking, please don't misunderstand me. I am not talking about taking all the time that you have at work and coming to the church and doing something. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, there he is, Ed. He's been asking about people serving for a while. Now here comes the guilt trip. He wants everybody to quit their job and serve at the church. Mm -mm. You misunderstand me. That's not my heart here. My heart is simply this. I believe it's the heart of God. Use the place that God has given you in your career for the glory of God. But please, please don't let it steal you away from the things of the Lord. You're going to regret one day being taken away from the things of the Lord. You're going to regret one day not being able to serve him wholeheartedly. You're going to regret one day that somebody, the enemy wrote you a check and you bought it. And it took you off in a direction. So you're not hearing from him anymore. You're not enjoying him anymore. You're not serving him anymore. It could be that God wants you to serve in the church. It could be that your gifts have been held back for us as a congregation because you've been carried off somewhere else. You've been polishing that truck. You've been polishing the boat. You've been out doing things and spending time with things and and your time with God and your time of hearing from him has been, well, it hasn't been there. Your kids come first. Your favorite television show comes first. That you actually will plan your life around a stinking television show. Oh, I can't do that. My favorite show's on. I can't go there. No, shh. Everybody be quiet. I can't hear. And you'll plan your whole life around. Now, TiVo came out, right? I don't have a TiVo, but you can do that thing, right? Now you can change your schedule a little bit. But listen, you'll change your whole life around a favorite TV show. Last year, you didn't even have a favorite TV show. Now you do. And now your whole life will be adjusted because your favorite TV show. But then the church called, hey, can you do that? No, no, I don't have time, man. And you're you're not even concerned about the things of the Lord because, well, everything else in this world is taking your place. It's like, oh, I'm... I remember the first time I found out Denver was a football city. I came from L.A. I didn't understand what that meant. You know, we had football teams coming out. Denver, it was early on in the church. We are very, very small. And there weren't a lot of people in the room. And the first time there was a Broncos game, the room was empty. And I remember taking the, going home and listening to the tape and thinking, what did I say? How could I? And I found out that they, it's, they're watching a Bronco game. Not even a good football team. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just, no, no, no. See, all of you guys. It's all you guys. People schedule their life around the Broncos. Why? When have they given to you? (laughs) I guess you can come to Saturday night service now, huh? But you know, it's true. It's true. People schedule their life around the Broncos. 
schedule their life around the Rockies, around the Nuggets, around, there's a hockey team, the Avalanche, around sports, around their kids' sports, around their favorite TV show. That's carnally minded. That's what carnally minded is about. It's all about the world. Again, you could take this message and go way out and say, oh, Ed's telling me to, no, I'm not. My kids are in sports. I love sports. I love baseball. I love football. I love those things. But do you know what? Jesus, I've learned in my life, I love him more. I really do. And if I miss a game, I miss a game. If I have a show that I like watching, I have a few, and I miss it, I miss it. I'm so much more fulfilled when I'm with you guys. I'm so much more fulfilled when God's using me. I'm so much full of joy and peace and happiness in life when I'm obeying God. And when I'm following through, sometimes God will open a door where I can go to one of these sporting events. I could take my kids and I can hang out or I can see my kids play sports. I love it. But listen, I'm learning and I've learned and it's something that's growing in my heart. My God comes first. He comes before my wife. He comes before my kids. He comes first. I want to be led by His Spirit. I don't want to be led by my flesh. I don't want to live in my flesh. I don't want to cling to the things of the world that are going to pass away, that are temporary. I don't want to live in verse 6, to be carnally minded is death. But rather, I want to live in the end of verse 6, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I don't want to be at enmity with God because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Did you hear that? You cannot, I cannot please God in the flesh. I can't please God living in the flesh. I can't please God leaning on my flesh. I need to lean on my Jesus, who he alone rescued me from the pit. It's not about my joy, it's about his joy. It's not about my will, but it's about his will and his goodness. It's all about Jesus. It's not a church, it's not a man, it's not a movement, it's not a Bible study, it's not the Bible. It's Jesus. He's your sufficiency. You can grasp that. Then everything else in life begins to make sense. And you can live with peace and life. The purpose of your life and mine is to bring God pleasure. And if you live to please God, then you'll live a life that is rich and fulfilling and wonderful. Like Psalm 23 says, verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And everything makes sense. But if you, leave to, if you live to please yourself, you will never be pleased. There'll always be something more that you don't have. You'll be always wanting something more. Covetousness will settle in. You'll want something else. There'll always be this nagging within, that demand to upgrade, to have more, to be bigger, to be better. It will feed in you a river of turmoil and frustration. Life has to be more than this, you'll feel. And it, indeed it is. And we don't want to live lives as Christians where we'll end up regretting that today's the day that you can begin to analyze and lay before the throne room of God, that throne room of grace, what's going on in your life, so that you can conclude that you're spiritually minded and not carnally minded. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Romans right now on abounding grace. Thanks for being part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Pastor Chuck Smith called The Man God Uses. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you'd say you want to be used by God. But sometimes we're not quite sure how to get there. In this book, Pastor Chuck Smith examines 14 characteristics found in several people in the Bible that were used by God in powerful ways. I know you'll be encouraged and will gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses, too. That's our prayer and heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. We want to take just a minute or two to let you know about a podcast that Pastor Ed is involved in, and Season 2 has just been released. Pastor Ed is with me now to share all the details with you. Hey, I want to remind everybody that we just launched Season number 2 of my leadership podcast. It's called Lead to Serve. And in that podcast, I talk about the practicalities of serving God. And and it covers, of course, from the perspective of a pastor and in the church environment. But the principles that we share are applicable to every area of life, wherever God has you, in the home, in the workplace, in the church, wherever he has you. These principles are for you. We call it Lead to Serve, and you can search for it on any place that you get your podcast. It's L-E-A-D, then the number two, Serve, or you can search Ed Taylor. Uh, It's season two, so you want to catch up on season one. And the perspective that I have on these podcasts is like like I am right now, like, like you're across the desk from me, you're in my office, and we're talking ministry together. And we're looking at a lot of the things that I've taught in the school ministry here, a lot of the things that I use to develop and train our team here at church. And I would love to invite you in. Subscribe to it, Lead to Serve, the leadership podcast from me, Pastor Ed Taylor. Uh, I'd love to be a part of your life in this area. Uh, So subscribe, share it, let people know, get the word out. And then if you do listen to Lead to Serve, would you please... Go to wherever you get your podcast and leave a favorable review. That way, the search engines will catch it, and the algorithms will do whatever they do, and the word will get out. Lead to Serve, the leadership podcast, season two just dropped, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. God bless you guys. That's Lead to, the number two, Serve. Season two, available right now. Look for it, and let us know what you think by leaving a comment. Here's Pastor Ed to wrap things up for us. I found this poem I like to end with. Listen, just kind of sit and receive it in. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and he shows me his plan, the plan of my life as it might have been had he had his way and I see. How I blocked him here and I checked him there and I would not yield my will. Shall I see grief in my Savior's eyes, grief though he loves me still? Oh, he'd have me rich, and I stand there poor, stripped of all but his grace, while my memory runs like a hunted thing down the paths I can't retrace. 
Then my desolate heart will well nigh break with tears I cannot shed. I'll cover my face with my empty hands and bow my uncrowned head. No, Lord of the years that are left to me, I yield them to thy hand. Take me, make me, mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. It's never too late to take a turn. It's never too late to estimate in your life what has been taking you away in the carnal mind, living for the flesh perhaps, living in the flesh, letting this world be an anchor in your life, allowing even things spiritual to block you from Jesus, allowing religion to replace relationship, allowing rituals and rules and regulations to give you a comfort that only Jesus Christ can give. Emphasizing my joy when it's Jesus. Emphasizing my way when it's Jesus. Emphasizing my desires and what I want and what I don't have when all the while it's Jesus Christ working in you and through you for his good pleasure and that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Is the Holy Spirit at home in our life? We'll thoughtfully consider that tomorrow on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Romans 8. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.